What's up, folks? It is episode 99, and of course, it is Friday Eve, Thursday night, for those who like to keep track of the days of the week. And we are just, of course, one episode away from our 100th episode, which should be a lot of fun come next Wednesday. The time should be about 8 o'clock. We're kind of still working on the details, but it will be on Wednesday night. So look for that coming up next Wednesday. For tonight, uh, as you can see, it is solo here in the studio, but that's okay because I am live at the LG Sales Direct Solution Studio. And uh, Fuji has a night off, so we'll see him come next week. This Sunday, there will not be a show, so do not expect us because there is a bye week this week. So you won't see us this Sunday, but you'll see us again on Wednesday. So hopefully Dylan will be joining me here a little bit later on, our local ter uh, local Tampa correspondent, if I slow down my words here a little bit, he should be on with me just a little bit later on. Other than that, we'll be getting into a little bit of review when it comes to Eagles talk, as it seems like the fans want a quarterback change. I don't believe it should happen, but we'll get into it. Hopefully, they'll come see him coming in. And by the way, uh, I'm pretty sure I end up putting the phone number up there for you guys to call in if you would like to call in. So it is, once again, episode 99. And thank you once again to Ruben Amaro Jr. and Kane Cows for coming on on Tuesday night. That was so much fun. But tonight, it's all about episode 99. So we'll get into some Eagles talk, some Flyers talk, which I have no idea what the Flyers are doing. And the MLB lockout is still going on. So all that just on the other side. I'm Angel. This is Broad Street South. And just as I say it, I see the young gentleman himself in there. <laughs> I'm in a, a bit of a different setup. I officially got kicked out of my room, so I am in the garage of my house right now. So you see I got some motorbikes back here. I am in a different setup today, but hey, I'm excited to talk some sports, man. It's a good day. Episode 99. I can't believe we're already here in almost episode 100. It's crazy. Yeah, it's uh, it, it is absolutely insane, but that's okay because now it looks like shop talk, an actual shop talk. So that's okay. You can just do like <laughs> yes. uh, Tim the Tool Man, just you know, take the hammer, talk a little bit, and just get a couple other people and be just fine. <laughs> I like it. But, I like it. Uh, Mike Klein jumping in first thing from Philly to South there. Bye week, really? I missed it. Yeah, yeah, it's it is a bye week, Mikey. It's because Mike's been so busy, unfortunately. By the way, thanks to Mike Klein and Philly to South, the official fan club of Broadtree South. 26 years in running with the uh, fan club out there at Tampa Joe's at 9316 Anderson Road in Tampa, Florida. So, uh, Mike, it's good to see if you happen to have a night off. That's uh, good for you because I know you're always constantly working. But, listen, uh, Dylan, it's – I guess we'll quickly get into some Eagles talk here. Then we'll get into, obviously, some Bucks talk, uh, being locally here from Tampa. But Eagles end up winning the game last week, as we saw. We didn't get to it too much on Tuesday night because of our guests. But Eagles end up winning on Tuesday night. And the funny part about it is that everyone now wants Gardner Menchu in there in place of Jalen Hurts. And this comes from the rest of the media who's pretty much calling for the same thing. Not all shows are doing the same thing, but they're kind of like egging it on and saying that, hey, maybe they should give him a chance. Those diehard ones that want to see what happens with Jalen Hurts will stay in there and figure out that, you know what, he's got plenty of upside. So I know you don't follow the Eagles that much, but I know you do at least know about Jalen Hurts and the comparison to Gardner Minshew because we know that he was here just north of the state uh, just last season. So just want to get your perspective on what do you believe? Should everyone just listen to what the fans want and just take on Gardner Minshew or just wait, be patient, and keep Jalen Hurts in? 
Well, here's my first thing I want to say is Gardner Minshew is a fan favorite. I mean, that's hands down. We already know that he is a fan favorite. You look how big the Minshew mania magic was in Jacksonville. There were T-shirts with this guy's face on it. There were headbands. There were hats. I mean, it was a whole nine yards. It was ridiculous how much this guy actually had in merchandise. I mean, he was a really big merchandise deal for the Jacksonville Jaguars, which I bet you the Jaguars fans and even the Jaguars organization were like, this is amazing. This is a guy that we can get around. You know, we can make some merchandise sales off of that. For them, that was like the holy grail that season in 2019. It was weird because they had had Nick Foles who is also a fellow Philadelphia Phillies Eagles or Phil, excuse me, Philadelphia Eagles quarterback who had uh, original who had signed after he had won the Super Bowl with the Philadelphia Eagles. But I I I think for me and I'll be honest, at the beginning of the season, I dropped Jalen Hurts on my fantasy team. I made the mistake of dropping Jalen Hurts after he had that big game against Atlanta, and I looked at that and I'm like, man, Hurts is good. He's a good quarterback. He has a lot of potential. He's he showed some of that magic, if you will, kind of some magic, almost like when Michael Vick was around where he was just making these athletic plays, you know, making great plays all over the place. So in my opinion, I think Minshew is a good, you know, he's a, a fan favorite. He's a guy who you want to rally around. He's got the incredible story. Obviously, if you guys haven't heard about it, go listen to it. It's amazing. His story and his upbringing into the NFL. But in my opinion, I think Jalen Hurts still has more potential than Gardner Minshew. I think Gardner Minshew has the name in the NFL, but I think when it comes to potential and a future, I think Jalen Hurts has a better future in the NFL than Gardner Minshew does. But obviously time will tell, and Gardner Minshew has obviously proved that he can play in the NFL. So I think only time will tell here to see what will happen, and I think we'll probably see um, you know, a good mix of both of the guys here upcoming for the Philadelphia Eagles. No, I, I, I agree with you here because I think you know, Gardner Minshew – I'm not going to knock the guy because he did. He he tried with Jacksonville. I think Jacksonville gave up on him. It, it was insane the way that even worked out because they took everyone knows. Once Nick Foles was done in Philly, they decided, okay, well we'll bring him down in Jacksonville. Gets a deal with Jacksonville, which was supposed to be three years. Turns out to be only a couple months when they decided to throw in Gardner Minshew in there. Take him out because Nick got hurt. They decided to go with Gardner. They brought Nick in for a game, decided to sit him out the rest of the way, and then he turns around and gets straight out to Chicago. Then Gardner Minshew takes over, but that was short-lived as well. Then add your new QB down there in Jacksonville this year. You know, and these, again, as Jacksonville is trying, I guess, to make something of themselves by the time they move over to London anyways, because I don't believe they're going to remain in Jacksonville. I, I think they're the first team that flies over to the other coast. And they've been over there the most. Out of any NFL team, they've been over there the most. It seems like the London fans love the Jaguars. And it wouldn't be too bad either. I guess the London Jaguars versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. <clears throat> Pardon me. But, you know, it's interesting to me, that, at least, that Jalen Hurts, we know there's got to be patience. I know there was a lot of comparison this week saying, you know, how Gardner Minshew had more control in the pocket. He didn't run out as much. He didn't try to make too many things happen. Again, you're playing against the New York Jets, and not to take anything away from the New York Jets because they've won games that they should have lost. So it wasn't like I was taking that, you know, tongue-in-cheek, meaning that they were guaranteed a win this week. But Gardner having to come out there, do the job, get the job done. And I know after the game, he was extremely happy. He was really happy his dad was there. And, you know, rightfully so, he's been waiting for this moment. So it's good to know that at least you have two good quarterbacks in Philly because there's not a third. There's only two. So if Gardner would have went down, obviously Jalen would have to get immediately dressed, I would assume, at that point. Or Jason Kelsey would have turned into a quarterback really fast, which would have been really interesting. But I, I'm the same way, too. I, I think Gardner has some values. And who knows? Maybe even Harry Roseman decided to put him on public display 
just to see what he can get possibly for trade come next year. Because still the rumors come around stating that they want to possibly bring in Russell Wilson. You know, that Russell Wilson supposedly said that he was going to waive his trade clause if Philly came up coming. And then today, apparently there was an article out there on the NFL.com saying that he really didn't say that and he wants to stay in Seattle for the long haul. But my question, I, I guess, if we're looking at it, uh, Dylan, is that my thing is in Seattle. So they already know they have to basically rebuild that team again. I don't think Pete Carroll gets the welcome back come next year. I think at this point it's, it's he's done with Seattle. So do they rebuild around Russell Wilson? And does Russell Wilson really remain there? Or is he just saying that for the moment because of the hometown fans? I think in my opinion with Russell Wilson and Russell Wilson is going to go down in history as maybe one of the best Seattle Seahawks players of all time. I mean, just what he's been able to do to that entire organization, taking a team that was, you know, kind of in that middle ground, if you will, you know, they were struggling after a Super Bowl appearance in around 2006, around the mid 2000s um, with Matt Hasselbeck. And I think Russell Wilson and even Pete Carroll are two of probably the biggest Seattle sports legends if they end up leaving Seattle. In my opinion, I think both of them do end up leaving Seattle. I think for Pete Carroll, his time is over. I think this year is kind of the calling card, if you will. Everybody's kind of got him on the list of, of of guys who will be probably getting fired at the end of the season, most likely on Black Monday. I can't imagine he will be fired during the middle of the season at this point in the year. I, I imagine they'll let him finish out the time. I think that's the respectful thing to do as a guy who has had so much success in that area. But in my opinion, right. I think Russell Wilson leaves Seattle. I think he looks at it and says, listen, I mean, I'm at the point in my career. I've won a Super Bowl. I could build my name maybe a little bit bigger. Maybe go to a place. I, I don't. I wouldn't say maybe he'll go to L.A., but go to a place maybe like in New York, possibly maybe go to the Giants and kind of have kind of that star factor, if you will, go to a place that's got a big market and maybe kind of build your name even bigger than what it is right now. And obviously we see, you know, obviously Russell has a, a beautiful wife and uh, a, what is a supermodel wife, I believe, as well. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, for I think for Russell Wilson and just for his – his, I guess I would say his personality and just his exposure, I think for him, he would probably go to a bigger market. And I, I would, I could see honestly, New York or even Philadelphia even as well, uh, maybe take over a team that only is maybe not too shy away from getting back to the playoffs or maybe even back to the Super Bowl. No, I, 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 I think you are correct. And, and I, I, you know, Justin really didn't dawn upon me just as you're mentioning right now. I didn't think about it too much because I guess, the, a lot of talk has been Philly. Uh, the other talk would have been possibly Pittsburgh. That's going out there. And obviously the Steelers are playing tonight here on, uh, what is it, Thursday night against Minnesota, I believe if I remember yep. correctly. So it would be interesting to see because I know most of the Steelers fans would probably prefer Aaron Rodgers over uh, Russell Wilson. But again, if you're looking at it age-wise, you're talking about a five-year difference between obviously Russell Wilson at 33 and then Aaron Rodgers, who just turned 38, would – Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson fit the scheme of, of the Steelers. I think they both would fit right in, but I never thought about it as far as for the Jets. If they if they don't, I know they have Zach Wilson. Uh, could it possibly be that they end up moving him around? But it, it almost comes down to the same way with the problem they have in Miami is that do you believe in Tua or do you shop him around because they know that Deshaun Watson is out there and not saying that the Texans would let him go. But to me, you have Deshaun that's out there. And let's just say they decided to, to put some pieces in place and then shop Tua, send him to Texas, and then in return, they get Deshaun Watson. You already know it's going to come with a hefty price. You're looking at three, at least minimum, first-round picks. Yeah. I believe two higher 
second round picks. And then you're also talking about the money that you're going to have to absorb. I know Philly was out when they, when the picks came across, it was just too much when it came down to the picks and they decided, you know what? It's not good enough for us. So New York could be, New York could possibly be a really good landing spot for him. But obviously as, as Eagles fans, yeah, it would be great to have him in Philly, but right now Jalen's doing well. I think you give him another year and see, yeah. I, I've been rooting for him. I think he'll be just fine. And, and we'll see what ends up happening in another year. But I want to get it to uh, one of the comments here by Sean. And Sean, thanks for coming back on the show. Really appreciate it. He says, uh, thoughts on his former GM comment on Hurts. I personally believe we're living in a time where a quarterback needs to throw from the pocket effectively, accurately, and process information that's necessary so fast he's considered to be elite at processing this information. Under that, he still needs to be accurate, a good leader, and all those things. I don't think I'm seeing that from Hertz. Uh, this comes from Joe Banner, as Sean points out to us. And, and listen, Joe, we already know that Joe's been Joe Banner's been very voiceful, if if you want to state it that way, since he's been gone from the Eagles. Uh, Sean, I'd like to get your your comment as far as like what do you believe? But for me, I think one thing is that Jalen Hurts, I will say, is he does take accountability for what he does. Whether if, if he had a great game, if he had a bad game, it's different from former quarterbacks that we've had in this organization. But for me, yeah, you can be accurate, you can be effective in the pocket, but if the pocket presence is not there, there's only so much you can do. Obviously, they adjusted that with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year. As we saw last year when they were making a Super Bowl run, in the very beginning, that was something new to the entire team. And you can see the adjustments being made. This year, they did it even better than what they did last year because obviously if you put Tom Brady on his back, he's not going to be as effective as he's been when he was with New England. One thing Bill Chick always did up there in New England was to make sure they projected Tom Brady. So now you got to make the same adjustment for Jalen Hurts. I just think he needs to be a little more patient in the pocket. That's my big deal when it comes to Jalen. The deep throws, you know, all those things you can perfect as time goes on. Look at Kyler Murray. I mean, you're what, fourth year? with the organization, and now you're starting to become that somewhat elite quarterback out there for him, and he just he believed in himself, and he's just just owning up and finding your craft as best as possible. So great comment by Sean. And and I know Joe Benner, God bless him, because I know he's had success, and now at, at, I don't know exactly what Joe Benner's going to end up doing unless he becomes another GM with another another team. But to me, it, it's you got to believe in your product. Nick obviously believes in him. It's not like you're going to have any kind of like false statements from Nick saying that he's going to say one thing and believe another. But I think from what I see with Jalen Hurts, it it's everyone's impatient. I get it. I understand it. Eagles fans, it's just the way it is. You know, there, there's times where we call for someone's head and then they end up having a phenomenal game the next week. It's like, oh, we were just kidding. It's like your fans, a fan of any fan base somewhere wants to see their team do better. So I think for me, personally, I think you just leave Jalen in there, see what he has. You're, first of all, he's on his rookie contract, so it's not if, if you shop him around, you're going to get him for picks. I don't know what else you're going to get from at that point other than maybe some money off the books, which won't be much because, again, you're off the rookie contract. But wait until next year. Wait till this team starts yelling together. It could be a possibility right now that you're looking at a wild card spot. Will they get further from that? I have no idea. It just, you know, once playoffs comes around, no matter what happens during regular season, everybody knows playoff time, things can happen completely, completely different. So it's just, to me, it's interesting, again, what Sean put up there as far as the comments. I don't know if, if you want to add to it or not, but I just think all that accuracy, everything else, it comes with time. You only get a Patrick Mahomes 
once in a century. I don't think we're going to see someone like that. And we see now that he's paying the price. So if uh, looking as far as the comment, what Sean made, I, you know, I, I like to get your thoughts as well for what he stated. Yeah. So I kind of want to mention, and, and this kind of bothers me a little bit, I guess you could say. Um, and, and really what bothers me is, is I feel like with fans and this is really any fan base. And, and we've seen that a lot in the last couple of years is, We've seen a lot of fans kind of rush quarterbacks. We They expect them to be this amazing quarterback right out of the gate, you know, uh, uh, right in the first game of the season. They expect like light, you know, lights, camera action and expect these big games coming out of their, you know, quarterbacks. You got to remember, Jalen Hurts is a second round draft pick. This right. is his first full season in the NFL with a first year head coach in Nick Sirianni. There's a lot of things that these two are trying to work together and work out the kinks within their first full season. So I think it, it's really going to be interesting, especially towards this back half of the season, this ending for the Eagles. They got four straight divisional games to finish out the season. They have the Washington football team, Giants, Washington, and then the Cowboys to finish out the season. So that's going to be a really interesting test to see how, whether it be Jalen Hurts or even whether it be Gardner Minshew, to see how this finishing of the season plays out for the Philadelphia Eagles. But I think that's one thing that kind of has bothered me the last couple of years is I think fans for really any fan base, especially a good example being Miami is we see the fan base just rush these quarterbacks and try to get them to be that perfect quarterback for their team. I mean, obviously if you're a first rounder, I feel like you have a little bit of a less of a leash, but right. I mean, with a later round draft pick, especially in the case of Jalen hurts, give him some time to develop. He's going to get better as his, career progresses and hopefully he gets better sooner rather than later in his case because uh you know we'll see how long he has actually in philadelphia but i think i think we'll see hopefully a better jalen hurts next season i think next season we'll see a better team for the philadelphia eagles and really a better quarterback as with jalen hurts under center hopefully he'll do better next season in 2022 all right i hope so too and rick uh i Rick, thanks for tuning in. We appreciate it. Hopefully you're well and your family. By the way, for everyone tuning in tonight, I hope you guys have, one, a great holiday. And uh, number two, a Merry Christmas, as we should never take the word Christ out of Christmas. So Merry Christmas to everybody and Happy Hanukkah for those who are celebrating Hanukkah as well. Uh, but Rick states that uh, Eagles seem to have a bad habit of picking up named players that are towards the end of their careers, which is absolutely true. And I, before Mike, I'll get and Sean, your comment especially. Uh, he says the last comment is Phil if I have an NHL team. So <laughs> going back to the first comment uh, that he stated, as far as getting uh, players at the end of their careers, yeah, we've seen it. Almost every Philly team, whether it's the Sixers, whether it's the Flyers, the Phillies, and the Eagles, it it just it's a habit. I don't know why it's a habit, but I think because if your scouts are talented enough, and and I again I could be speaking out of my butt here. But when it comes down to it, it's your scouts. The people that you hire to do the jobs for you, to go out there and watch these talents, to see what these teams are doing, to see even from the college ranks, even if you got to go into high school, watch them from high school through college, which they normally do anyways, but you have to see what your talent scouts are doing. How much are they paying attention? Do they do the numbers? I'm not a super analytics guy. I've never been. I'm not a fan of it, but I know you need it, obviously, to make your comparisons. But to me, it starts out with your scouts. If your scouts believe in what they see out there, then that's at the point where you tell a general manager, hey, in two years, I think this is one of the guys that we need to pursue. Now, things can happen, especially coming up through the college ranks. We know the guys can get injured. Things happen. Some guys transfer out. They go somewhere else. They might lose a couple of spots when it comes uh, into the draft. But when it comes down to it, your GM 
has to be on point. He has to know exactly what's going on with his team at all times and seeing else, you know, what else is out there. I know it's a lot when you're a general manager, as we spoke to Ruben on Tuesday. I know there's a lot on your shoulders. You have to wear many hats. But one thing is that you have to believe in the product. One problem that I have with Harry Roseman is, is that he just seems to get away from that. And then the easier Band-Aid, just like Sean said, is to go ahead and bring someone, or sorry, Rick said, is to bring in a player, you know, that's already past his prime for the most part. Not saying, obviously, Russell Wilson would be, because at the age of 33, I mean, heck, you got, you know, Tom Brady, what, 43 years old? Yep. And, and still out there killing it. And, you know, he's got his exercise, you know, regimen program and everything else. But for me, yeah, there's times where the Eagles have done too many times where they brought in players that are past their prime or we've given up good players and because they didn't believe in them, had moved on and won championships somewhere else. So, you know, it just, you got to take, unfortunately, to go with the bat. Mike says to save our, save our picks. Hurts is just fine. Tons of upside here, which is true. And four picks in the first all make a lot of things right for the birds. And by the way, the one person that's actually helping him out as far as uh, getting a first-round pick, thank you, Carson Wentz, as he's trying the best he possibly can to give back to Philly, even though he's not here. But Sean <laughs> says, uh, I personally think these remaining games are going to show us Hurts is our guy. He needs to have more patience and pocket presence. Correct. And he tries too hard. I love the fact that he has legs to run if needed. He already has a locker room, so I think the sky's the limit for Jalen. Absolutely true, Sean. I, I couldn't agree more. Absolutely true. Who does He does have the locker room. That's a fact. Nick, he stated that many a times. And for a quarterback to come in to try and do that and, and get all these guys together, you can hear from big, pace, big play Slay and all the other guys on the team that they believe in Jalen Hurts. Yes, they were happy once again for Gardner Minshew because he was waiting for that moment. But just because you had a breakout game against a team that's playing sub-500, which the Jets should be playing a lot better, you just you roll the dice and you see what happens. And just like you said, Dylan, we got four divisional games coming up here. It's not going to be easy. You have to win all four out. If you want to make the wild card, you got to do it. Dallas seems to be on a mission, but we've seen Dallas collapse before. So I guess looking from the outside, Dylan, and, and you're looking at Dallas, and obviously they haven't been looking that great. Does Dallas, let's just say hypothetically right now they, they, they make the playoffs, do they even pass the divisional round? It's, it's kind of tough because they're such a weird team right now. You know, they're kind of off and on. We've seen good things out of Dallas this year, and we were like, oh, this team could be a Super Bowl contender, especially at the beginning of the year. I'm thinking like to myself, wow, Dallas actually could be a really scary team this year and might honestly just take the NFC East. But what we've seen these last couple of weeks, I mean, they're a team that I don't even know if they'll even get past the wild card round because right. you don't even know if they're going to win the division because of how good uh, Washington's been playing this season. So, I mean, honestly, Dallas is a weird team. I think if they could get a team who, you know, maybe is kind of struggling a little bit heading into the postseason, they might be able to catch a team off guard. But if they get a tough team heading into the postseason, especially if they have to play in the divisional round, it might be a tough game for Dallas, especially if it's a team that's coming off a few wins and kind of like how the Bucks were. They were – you know, cruising headed into the playoffs and they got racked up a lot of wins towards the end of the season. So if you get a tough team like that heading into the playoffs, you just never know what might not, what might, what might happen. So Dallas might be a team that will, depending on the matchup, they, they might be a win or lose situation depending on what matchup they get in the playoffs, whether it's favorable or not favorable for them. Yeah. And, and the, I think the other thing is too, is you, you look at obviously tonight's game again, Thursday night Steelers versus Vikings Steelers only two games away. Or, yeah, two wins away, not two games away. 
two wins away from basically at this point tying in their division for first place. So it is it you look at Cleveland at, of where they started in the season. Now, of course, Baker Mayfield's been injured. They've had a couple guys also roughed up. You had, you know, LBJ or or uh, Beckham that decided to go over to to California. He just he wanted out of Cleveland. Is out there with the Rams. Rams are not doing anything any better uh, since joining out there, so they can deal with that headache. And I'm pretty sure you know he'll just like many players to become divas. They'll figure out that you know was this a good move or not when it comes to the Rams. But Pittsburgh has the opportunity of actually again tying up in a division and could still win it. Now, as I you know we talk about it on Sunday nights on Steel City Renegades. The funny part is, is that. It, nothing is not doable. Apparently, Ben Roethlisberger has stated that this will be his final season with Pittsburgh. He's told some insiders. He's told his, I guess, his closest family and friends and apparently his teammates. So I guess a lot rides on the Steelers for the remainder of the season here for them. Because, again, if they make it, they're just as equally – I don't I don't want to use the word bad, but they're just as, I guess, roughed up as the Eagles have been. So the Steelers could be looking at either they tank and get themselves a quarterback that they need for next year because you got Mason Rudolph as your backup, but then Dwayne Haskins. No one knows even if both are going to be on there come next year. They can turn on clean house. So Ben retiring this year. Obviously, we can see what the Steelers can end up doing. Do the Steelers make that playoff push with, with Ben and, I guess, send him off to the sunset if they make just the playoffs? I think you have to. I think out of respect for Ben Roethlisberger and what he's done, for, not only for the city, but just for that organization. I mean, he's took a, a Steelers team and uh, really has made him so consistent throughout these last 15 to 20 years. I mean, it's been such a fun ride to see Big Ben and his career throughout his uh, the with the Pittsburgh Steelers. But in my opinion, I, I think you got to make a push. I, I think with Ben Roethlisberger, he's going to try to make that push. He's a competitor. You know, he's a guy who – Every Sunday, he's probably one of the best quarterbacks, you know, remaining out of the older bunch, I guess you could say, in the NFL. But, I, I mean, you have to make a push with Big Ben. I think in his final season, if this is ending up to be his final season with Pittsburgh, he's got to make one more run at the playoffs. I think he's got to get another Super Bowl ring. It's kind of like with Drew Brees. I think Brees, you know, he wasn't content with one Super Bowl ring, and he kept trying to make that push. Obviously, he ended up retiring and going off into the sunset. But I think if you're Big Ben, you got to do the same try to go get that second Super Bowl ring and try to, you know, add to your legacy even more than what it is. Because he's obviously going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback. There's no doubt about it. But you want to add that extra extra imp, if you will, especially late in your career. I think that kind of proves some of the critics wrong, if you will, especially how late in, in his career he's at right now and also with all the injuries he's had to deal with here these last couple of seasons. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. And you have Joey B, of course, from Colorado. Whoa, hold on. <laughs> Joey B says, are you in your garage? Are you building a Buccaneer cannon? <laughs> uh, no, not yet. Not yet. Joey, I, I can tell you there isn't really much of a garage at uh, at Fuji's place, but if there was, that man cave would be tremendous. But uh, I, I, Fuji's garage probably just has his, his basic tools and stuff in there. But no, I, I, Joey's here tuning in. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we were just talking about he can just end up being like, uh, boy, I already forgot, the, Tim the Tool Man, where he can start building stuff in the garage here. But <laughs> and, and now kind of rolling back here, and, and we'll go with Eagles and in the same way with the Bucks. So the man of the year comes up this time of year, and you have your, your of course, going to get 32 nods because you have 32 of your football players to so every organization gets the nod for uh, man of the year, and then they finally end up choosing one. 
Eagles had one with uh, Chris Long just a couple years ago, and now Jason Kelsey gets a nod for man of the year, which I think it's the right choice for what that man has done, not only for the organization, but for the city and how much they believe in him, how much he gives back to the city, how much he's in contact with the city. I mean, Jason Kelsey is Philly, even though he's not from the area, but he is, he's just a Philadelphian. He's been like that for years. He's been with the organization. I mean, he has fun with, with, the kids, you know, that they end up doing uh, special projects with. So it's it's good to see that he picked the right person in Jason Kelsey and Philly. And then if you look with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Mike Evans. And and Mike Evans, same exact way. Mike Evans, I think what, what he's done for the Tampa area and how much he's gelled that team together, how much he makes them believe, I think the same way when it comes to the Buccaneers. I think it was the right call and the right choice for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, Will I be a homer in saying this uh, as far as who I would like to win? Sure, yes, you have all the 32 teams in the NFL, but I would love to see Jason Kelsey win it because I just think it would affirm from not only just that Super Bowl championship that everyone was waiting for, but him being a part of it, this will kind of be full circle. And and I could just be speaking out of context here, but I think for Jason Kelsey, it might mean more to him than actually winning a second Super Bowl. You already got your first one, but I think it would mean more just because what it signifies. I mean, Walter Payton, one of the best human beings ever to walk the face of the earth. You're being nominated to live in his legacy for what he did in around the community, in and around the NFL. I mean, for just for what that man did, it's just a huge honor alone just to be nominated for. So I think both picks, both choices for obviously each other's cities here. I, I think great choice by both. I agree as well. And, and just to kind of, I guess piggyback off of what you said, just being nominated alone. I mean, honestly, everybody's a winner out of this. I mean, everybody who is elected for this Walter Payton Man of the Year, and in my opinion, I think this is the most important award. I think the MLB does something similar as well, but in my opinion, I think this is the most important award because it really showcases what the NFL players do outside of just playing football because I think a lot of people don't really think about that, especially when they're watching football on Sunday. They don't think about, hey, Mike Evans, he's – you know, playing football here today, but you think about it during the week, he's giving back to the community. He's doing these events. He's, you know, doing outreach events, whatever the case may be. And I just think, you know, it's just such a a tremendous being elected for this award. Even if you don't end up winning the actual award itself, just be able to be elected, I think is just a a remarkable thing. But I think for both guys, I think they're both well-deserving, especially for a guy like Mike Evans here in the Tampa Bay area. He spent so much time with this organization. He's one of the longest tenured guys so far here with the organization currently. He's been with the team since 2014, which that was a really, really bad team that year. And he's had to go through a lot of these struggles, which obviously in his personal life, there was a documentary posted. I believe SEC Network did it or whatever. Um, ESPN, I believe, had posted it. But it was a really good documentary showcasing his struggles that he has had to go through throughout his uh, kind of upbringing and his childhood and uh, really – Nobody better deserving than Mike Evans. He's got his own foundation down here. He does a, a tremendous job down here in the Tampa area and really a class act all around. Really good guy to have for the Walter Payne Man of the Year electee. Yeah, I, I think so as well. And Joey, I hope you feel better. He says he just got his uh, he got his booster shot and it's starting to kick in. You know, a couple of shots of fireball, Joey. I'm pretty sure you'll be <laughs> you'll be ready for tomorrow. And I didn't get a chance to see the the pregame. So he's saying that the Vikings uniforms tonight, what the heck, they're ugly. Oh, are they? The, they might be the color rush tonight. Maybe the uh, the yellow with the purple jersey. Maybe so. I'm uh, thinking that might be the case. Uh, 
I, you know, that's the one thing I was saying, Joy, I'll get your next comment here. Thank you. And I appreciate it. Um, the one thing I was saying, we were just talking about, it might've been this morning. We were checking out ESPN. The yeah. one thing that drives me nuts with the NBA, it seems like the NBA has to have like, I don't know, like eight or nine different uniforms for the season. And, and it makes no sense to me like golden, uh, what the golden state warriors. Cause they were talking about Steph Curry, how close he is to Ray Allen's uh, three pointer as far as his record, but, or tied for third. But they were like in blue. Was it blue and black? So like it had nothing to do with Golden State Warriors colors. I'm like, why in the world was we do this? And then you have like the city, you have the city uniform, you have the some other uniform, you have yep. the in the something series uniform. I mean, come on. It just yeah. stick the two, make it just <laughs> fine. Do you want to have a throwback night? There's nothing wrong with throwing, you know, putting your throwback uniforms on, but Jeez Louise, man. Yeah, more uh, than ever this year, especially the 75th anniversary of the NBA being this year, there's a lot of jerseys this year. And a lot of uh, – they're co considering them the city jerseys are called mixtape jerseys because they're mixing all different jerseys yeah. uh, and different looks from each of the years and past prior. So uh, there's definitely a lot of uh, different jerseys in the NBA. It's a lot. And different courts too. It's, it feels like there's a new court every week. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Right? You know, <laughs> it's what the NBA does. Uh Joey's just uh, great pictures of your trip to Texas. A picture of Sean Sarge, outstanding too. Joey, I, I got to tell you, uh, and he liked the comment, by the way, about the fireball. Um, the the one thing I will say, Joey, it, it was a lot of fun talking to those guys. It was fun to be up in the studio. I know they're getting ready to uh, move to a new studio. They didn't mention where they were going, but I know they weren't supposed to kind of say it on air that day, but they did. Um, they are moving to a new studio, but man, Sean was a lot of fun to talk to and meet in person. The guy is like three times the height that I am. I mean, he's like a tree. Matter of fact, I still might have the, the actual picture from it. Cause I, he was like a tower. Do I still have it up here? <laughs> there it is up there. I mean, it, it just, you, even though it almost looks like the same height, but he stands and that's him just kind of lean over just a little bit. It, he's like a tree, but him ND again, big Sarge. I mean, it, it, it was just, it was fun. And Andy Kalu who had me on air, which was, that was amazing. That was fun, unexpected. And it was a lot of fun. So thanks Joey for, uh, for, for seeing that. Cause it was, it was fun. Texas was a lot of fun. I would do it all over again. Debbie and I had the most amazing time down in San Antonio. That river walk has grown so much. And I don't know, have you ever been down there, Dylan? I have, I was there this summer in Houston and in San Antonio for vacation. That's what I, when it was, when you had said you were going there, I was, I was like, Oh my gosh, we're going to like the same place in the same year. I thought it was funny. So. <laughs> Man, it was the only thing that caught me by surprise. I guess we thought it was like two hours away from Houston, but we ended up landing in Houston and then traveling that same day over to San Antonio, which is like a three-hour ride. Then we went to the Riverwalk that night. No complaints because it was, man, at nighttime, it was fun because you – so yeah. when you walked where we – where our hotel was, it was like a three-block walk over to the Riverwalk. And when we got over to the Riverwalk, where we were, it was like the, I guess, the quiet section of town or, or part of the Riverwalk. Then we went up to Houston Street, if I remember correctly. I'm almost certain it's Houston Street, but we know it was completely lively. I mean, people walking down because you can go down to the uh, oh my god, I can't remember now the name of it. I'm trying to think. Uh I know the, the obviously the Alamo is a big thing in San Antonio, yes. obviously. Okay, yeah. okay, the Alamo. Okay. Yeah. So you walk down the street, you make a left, you go up to the Alamo. Well, we made yeah. the right first and walked down to the end of the street and we we're watching the new buildings and stuff that are, that are being built uh built up there. Um, and then we ended up walking back. But the nightlife was just like it is in Florida. I mean that like everybody was out, people were having fun, and you could tell there's a lot of people that come in from out of town. But San Antonio has grown so much since the last time I was there. When I did 
my basic training out in Fort Hood, you're talking about 88, 89. So the last time I went out there was right around 89. Then there was a, a brief trip that I went when I went back to, to Fort Hood to visit a friend, but I didn't get a chance to actually make it down to Riverwalk. But it's grown. I mean, it's a man. San Antonio is ridiculous as far as like how much it's grown, how beautiful it is, the people yeah. there. I mean, it was just, it was so much fun. So I just thanks you again. And uh he says, hold on. He had the the yellow and all purple, just horrendous. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Or dark gold and purple just looks bad. It yeah. it probably is. Dylan, uh, what Buccaneers game will they wear when they're at the cream sickle unis? <laughs> Not this year, not this year, but next year, hopefully. Uh, they, they obviously have the color rush, the, what is it, the all, uh, I don't even know what you would call it, the all pewter look that they yeah. rocked. They wore that against L.A., but they were supposed to wear it against the Giants. They actually pulled that back and uh, only are going to wear one. So we're going to hopefully get the cream sickles next year. I'm pumped for it. I know the Patriots are getting Pat Patriot next year, so that is officially confirmed. Yeah, well, and and supposedly the Eagles are—they keep saying that they're going to bring back the the Kelly Green uniforms. I better, they better. I'm hoping so because it it it's been. I know like the the big holdup was the helmets. Apparently, the helmets had to reach the NFL standards, and that was the one thing that, that kept holding up. It wasn't much to call the uniforms; it was the helmet uh, they were having an issue with. So we can make it seem like obviously the old Kelly Green one. So we'll see yeah. if it happens need, next year or not. You need to bury those pastel uniforms under a rock, wherever they got that those blue off. and yellow Oops. uniforms were, were terrible. Yeah. I don't even know why they bring them out. I, I can't stand it when they play those. But, oh, it, it's horrendous. Joey, I didn't – now, I didn't see any uh, – the snakes this past summer, but then again, who, who knows? I didn't see it. I so didn't either. I, yeah. Honestly, I can say I, I didn't see it. But so you have – Obviously, Tom Brady and crew are in town this week. Yep. Sunday is going to be absolutely gorgeous out here, about 81 degrees. Uh, start a game on, on Sunday, just about roughly, and then it might drop down to about 60, still much better being up north. Tom Brady is still looking quite amazing, still with Rob Gronkowski. I know a lot of fans here as far as when it comes because it's Philly talk, but again, living down here in Tampa, you get to see exactly what's going on here with the Bucks. Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski apparently stole the show last week. Gronk. You can tell he's slowing down a bit and his body still aches, but still doing amazing things here with Tom Brady. My thing is, is that he mentioned earlier, uh, I want to say this month while we're in December, so I would say about November, if he can play until he's 45, Dylan, he said he would love to play. Would the Bucks actually take that risk? I know they extended his his another year to him, obviously after winning the Super Bowl. So now he's he's here until, what is it, 2023. Would would they at that point? I mean, you're almost you're banking on 45 at this point. You know, would would they actually be willing to extend a contract? Let's just say another two years while they're finding the right quarterback to take over this organization. I say yes. I, I mean, I think this is almost an easy yes, if you will. I mean, it's it's sort of weird because. I know a lot of things can happen these next couple of seasons, but I'm going to say yes, especially to you look at the draft next season. It's not like it's a big draft. It's not like you could go out in the first round draft, maybe the, the second coming, if you will. And you got to think about it, the Bucks did get Kyle Trask in the draft this year. So they do have a backup plan in case something were to happen to Brady, whether it be during the season or if he ended up ending up retiring, they do have a backup plan in Kyle Trask, which I would imagine a lot of Bucks fans. And I did see a lot of Trask jerseys, at the Bucks Stadium. I have seen a lot of them actually floating around throughout the stadium. So I know that there is a little bit of a fan base, especially a guy being from the University of Florida. But I think you got to bring Brady back. I mean, you look at this season. 
he is still playing at a high level. He is 9-3 and three with the team this season. He is blowing out the NFC South right now. The NFC South, mm-hmm. they're like four games back right now. That's the best team in the NFC South and how close they are to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think you got to bring Brady back. I mean, the way he's been playing, uh, I think you got to bring him back. Now, for Gronk, obviously, I know with the injuries and stuff, those kind of pile up. And, you know, he's obviously dealt with through injuries throughout the last decade of his career. But, I mean, you got to bring him back with Brady. I mean, you got to bring that connection back. They're always going to be together. I mean, they're they're like peanut butter and jelly. I mean, come on, it, it, they just mix together. I mean, uh, they, you got to bring Gronk back as long as Brady's there. But I, I think you keep Brady around. I mean, he's playing at a high level. There's nothing that says that you need to get rid of him. And if he can win another Super Bowl, I mean, that would just be icing on the cake for us here in Tampa Bay. Yeah, it would be. You, I'm just going to throw this out there, hypothetical. Enjoy. I'm going to get to your question here because it's a good question you got coming up here. Um, the just hypothetical. Yeah. Let's just say that Tom Brady and, and Eagles fans, you guys can close your ears for a little bit if you don't want to hear. It, but let's just say <laughs> hypothetically that Tom Brady wins. Let's just say another two down in Tampa, right? Yeah. So you, he finally will get to the ten rings. First of all, he's he's in an area where no other quarterback in history has ever done. So let's just say. He wins another two. So you get your four rings in Super Bowl or in Tampa Bay Super Bowl championships. Obviously, Tom would have three of those four here in Tampa. Now, you got to think about it. He's, again, I'm I'm trying to get to, he's, he would be three, three out of your four years, he wouldn't, your your Super Bowl rings. Your your 10 rings all together. And I lost my train of thought here when I was talking about the 10. And oh, that's what it was. So your 10 rings, he ends up winning. Three out of the four in Tampa. Does he then say, I don't know, to New England, hey, I know I won with you guys, but these guys seem to get me a little bit more. And would it be a shocking surprise or would the New England Patriot fans be upset if he decides to say, again, just hypothetically talking here, that he wins three Super Bowls down here and tells New England, I know I gave you 20, but these have been the best five years of my life. Uh, I'll be honest. I wouldn't be surprised because if you look at, I mean, just this past season in the Super Bowl parade, he was having the time of his life. He was like a kid in a candy store throwing the Lombardi trophy uh, across other boats and stuff like drunk with avocado tequila. Like he was having a ball down here in Tampa. I mean, I think Brady's having fun. I think there's a little bit, a less of a weight on him. I think people, Still have high expectations for him, but I mean, Brady, I think going into this whole thing, he had no, probably no idea what was actually going to happen. I mean, you got to think about it. Brady had won all these championships with New England. You join a brand new team. This is the first team you joined since playing Michigan going into New England. So for Brady, I mean, he probably had no expectations other than hopefully it all goes well. Hopefully we have a good season. Maybe we get to the championship and win it. But I mean, the way things have been going right now, I mean, I would say Brady's probably having the best time of his life. They're doing, I mean, on Instagram, they have little shows with Rob Gronkowski and Tom Brady they do each week, and they're having fun doing that. Like, I think it's really brought the human out of Tom Brady because I think in New England, it was so kind of like, oh, shy away media, like, go away. Right. We don't want you to cover our team. But now in Tampa, it's like, it's fun. It's vibrant. You know, it's just been a really cool thing to see kind of just a personality change with Tom Brady and the way he just kind of approaches the game and also just approaches life in general now, especially with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers organization. 
Yeah. Good point. I wanna, I'm going to switch you here to the NHL for a second, but I want to bring up Joey's comment here because he says, uh, <clears throat> after going to games when you were younger at, at the old vet, how does a link rate in your game day experience? Joey, adds an absolutely great question because I will tell you this much. The link is very nice. It's modern. Uh, definitely you can see the game a lot better, a lot closer at the link. The fan base is great. Don't get me wrong. But it seemed to bring a lot more energy at the vet than it did at the link because when this team was down, and when I mean when the boo birds were coming out, I think it was more of an effect on there than Lincoln Financial Field. And again, it's just coming from one person's opinion. So, I, it, you know, my opinion couldn't matter, couldn't matter. But I, I'm just giving you my opinion. I think to me, the vet was definitely the better of the two, even though it was old, but at 700 level, if you went up there and you were anything but an Eagles fan, you can forget it. You can just, you were getting annihilated. And and the girls would get it too, just as bad. Now, of course, they want to get hit, punch or anything else like that. Don't believe everything that people put out there as far as the old media, like, oh my God, women used to get this and that. No, they would, you know, they would get the business, but not to the point where they're going to obviously knock some girl off from, you know, just because she's cheering on for her own, her own team, that whatever team came in there. But the vet just had, it was just gritty. It, it was just, there was everything about it. I mean, the only stadium in the NFL it, and going back to the older stadiums, but it had your concrete base floor and then the astral turf that was on top of it. Cause the last game, when the Ravens came up, the, the game that was called because of, of the, the astral turf was coming up. And at the time, obviously um, there, there were talks about as far as for Lincoln financial field and stuff, but, and it was being designed. So it was just, it was amazing. I don't know. The vet just had, so many good vibes in there. Obviously, for the 1980 Phillies winning the World Series there, it, it was a shame that they had to blow it up. I get it. I understand it. It, it would have been a major icon in Philly, just like Franklin Field that has been around for years. And, and JFK Stadium, they had to take that down again to build up uh, where the first units, you know, the Wax Center. Good Lord, I already forgot what it was. No, Wachovia Center back in Philly. But the it, I, I, to me, the vet, hands down, to me, it was a lot better. I love the link. I'm, I'm grateful that they won the NFC championship there and obviously can't win the Super Bowl there, but they were able to bring that first Lamar trophy to the link. But yeah, hands down, I think for me, that's the vet. That's where I believe. And uh, hopefully, yeah, that, that answered your question there, Joey. <laughs> yeah, it did have his own RB, that, that's for sure. And the old vet at court inside, yeah, for all fights and stuff going on. The court of law, that is, yeah, not a basketball court, but it's true. <laughs> the vet did have, they had, it was the only one in the NFL that instituted an extra jail cell down there, and they used that quite often, quite, yeah. quite often. Yeah, and I was never a part of anything. Uh, is the old sombrero still around? So, no, they did knock it down. It's now the parking lot next to Raymond James Stadium. So, anytime I go by the parking lot, I'm like, oh, that's where the sombrero opens. But I am happy they torn that down because whoever decided to not put any – I mean, it's obviously an open-air stadium, but it was a bad open-air stadium. It was like a bowl-type stadium. It was hot. I mean, I'm happy they built Ray J because it is beautiful. And all the renovations that they've been able to do, I'm, I'm really happy the way they've been able to kind of make it new again, if you will. You know, and, and they, the the nice thing was that they actually spent good money from winning the Super Bowl. The uh, repainted a lot of the inside. I saw by the food court when Debbie and I went for the last preseason game before the season got kick, uh, kick-started there. Yeah. the I went when Nick Foles was still at the time with the Eagles. In 2018, when I moved down here, the Eagles came down to Tampa Bay, and all the Philly faithful came down here. 
Uh, I went there to Ray J for the very first time. And and to me, it, it didn't look bad. For the years that it's been around, it actually didn't look bad to me. But you can tell it just needed some some updating. And at the time, I believe they had updated a couple of things, but not everything altogether. It was cool to see the, the Buccaneer pirate ship out there. I will say, like, after watching it on TV and then seeing it in person, I mean, it's it's a good vibe. I will say Ray J has a good vibe. Not as crazy as it is in Philly because Philly fans are nuts the same way. I mean, you go to, to, to Meadowlands, Giants fans are just as crazy. Yeah. And and Joey B can attest to that. Giants fans are just as wild and nuts as they are in Philly. And you put those two together in that stadium, it's a miracle. There isn't like a soccer breakout where you have, you know, the visiting side and then the home team fight out in the middle of the field. But to me, Ray J, they did some nice upgrades. The TVs, they definitely did amazing. As far as the new monitors they have up there, man, it's like crystal clear. You can see everything. It's really nice. The only thing that throws me off, which my producer, Debbie, heard it for the first time, it, it kills you when they start with the B-U-C-C-C-A-N-E-R. <laughs> holy moly. The very first time I heard it, I'm like, what in the world is this? And they spell yeah. the whole Buccaneers. But And she heard it for the first time. She was throwing it back, too. Yeah, that was our old uh, the old fight song back in like the late seventies. That's right when we had, were the creamsicle Buccaneers. So they brought that back, and they've been using it a lot recently during the game once they score. And I, I always love that. That's my favorite fight song, though. I don't know the Fly Eagles Fly though. That's a that's a historic one. I got I'll give that to you guys. You guys have kind of started the fight song, if you will, for football. So. Oh yeah. That's for sure. Joey says the old Giants stadium was 100 times better than MetLife Stadium. <laughs> I'll agree, Joey. I, I was at the old one before MetLife. I, I, I agree wholeheartedly with you. It's not the same. And then I don't know that there's a weird – so you'd have to go to North Jersey, Dylan, and then they made like this mall behind MetLife Stadium. I, I don't know what the design concept was. Hideous is probably the best thing I can mention. <laughs> It's just, it looks ridiculous. It almost looks like they, they it was oversized like Bus Depot. I don't know what they were thinking, but I guess a lot of fans like it. A lot of the uh, New Jerseyans up there. But uh, yeah, definitely the old Giants Stadium was a lot, lot better. Again, there's, there's certain things that you can change and you can yeah. redo because you do have to make things modern. Now, if, if you're talking about modern stadiums, I will say hands down, even though the Rams, now I haven't been out there to LA to take a look at their stadium. On TV, it looks amazing. But I will say, when it comes to Vegas, Allegiant Stadium, when we were out there just two years ago, man, that's a thing of beauty. Yeah. Yeah. Absolute thing of beauty. And it's the only NFL stadium right now where they actually roll out the natural grass out to get the sun so it can naturally grow, and then they roll it back in. And the reason why they did it as well, so when they have uh, concerts, so the fans don't tear up the field, and so they can move it out and then just use a concrete padding for obviously for any of your concerts. But at places, it's amazing. Just yeah, and, amazing. And they use turf too for the college team. So they actually yeah. are rolling in natural grass and turf throughout, which is pretty crazy to think about because not many fields do that. Yeah, it's a beautiful stadium. I actually like the new Minnesota stadium uh, up in Minnesota. I just love the big glass panel kind of looking out into the city of Minnesota. I just think that's such a, a neat feature to be able to still see the city while, you know, indoors inside a stadium. I think that's a really awesome, neat thing. But uh, yeah, the, I tell you what, the stadiums that they're building right now, it's it's ridiculous how much mm -hmm. money and what, what's actually going into them because it is, uh, it's some, there's some really cool ones that are getting built right now. So there is, and uh, we'll, we'll get into the one here where I guess where Mayor Jane Castor had, yeah. uh, I guess, an event, I will call it. I wouldn't call it too much more than that, but it was an event with the uh, with the Rays owner. But 
Uh, Joey says new mall called Xanadu, which is uh, <laughs> thing is horrendous. But he said he grew up 25 minutes uh, west in Morristown, New Jersey area. Now Joey brings up, I so Joey, I'm I'm going to ask you here because you know if you go south of Jersey, so you got Morristown, North Jersey, South Jersey. So there's a town, Dylan, called Morristown, M-O-O-R-E-S town, Morristown. But everybody pronounces it Morristown, even though it's North Jersey. So I want to know if, if Joey pronounced it the same way, too, because it, it it would seem the same. But, yeah, it, it's actually being Morristown. But so one thing is, before we get, we get into the NHL, so the Rays had a meeting with Jane Castor about possibly moving into Ybor City. And I still can't believe they're talking about still doing the Montreal Tampa Bay experience, but they want to do an open air stadium in Tampa, which would be nice. And I understand I get it. The reason why they want to do the two share team, because then in the height of the summer down here, when we have all our summer storms, you would have so many delayed games. And because possibly of hurricanes, it would be tough to do it in an outdoor venue. Even if a hurricane was coming, obviously no one's playing but I get it. And plus you would probably melt as we do when you know it, Dylan, when we go over to, uh, what is it? Bay care ballpark. It's yep. the same. It is hot. If you want a hot go. summer baseball game, come down here in the summer and you end up feeling it. But it's, uh, it, I, I wish, and I know it was just preliminary. I would think that Rick Christman, if he actually wanted to do something nice on his way out from St. Pete, he would actually come to his senses and tell the Rays ownership, you know what? We need to keep them here. We need to keep them in the Bay Area. Here's what we need to do to make this work. And, and it could work. I mean, you could pull money out of, of a hat if you can. You're, you're anywhere in government. But you can do it without affecting the taxpayers that much. I will say that much. You know, Rick Christman, that's where he, he doesn't want to put that heavy price tag on the taxpayers. I get it. I understand it. I, I'm not going to argue on that point. But you can get, I mean, donations from your higher corporations that want to, you know, I mean, you just got what, $700 million, something ridiculous for a 20 year deal, a crypto stadium out there where the Lakers play, you know, so it's no longer a stable stadium. Now it's, you know, crypto.com stadium, $700 million for 20 years is ridiculous. So you got to think about it. If you got somebody like that, it will spend that kind of money on just naming rights. Then you can do it to build a brand new stadium. And then the other idea, which kind of cracked me up was that they stated they wanted to use Outlang Stadium, rebuild that thing into a baseball field that used to be before, and you've been down there. There is no way in heck you're going to be able to convert that into a major league baseball field and, and just going down to St. Pete Pier and how crazy it is down there in the summer where all the tourists and everything else. Could you imagine what it would look like down there by the pier? Well, first off, I think it would be awesome to see it like next to a pier. I mean, that would be really a really cool, neat scenery when it comes to baseball. It might be one of the nicest in baseball. But, I mean, to rebuild Alling Stadium, I mean, come on. Like, seriously, guys. Like, we, we got to be realistic here. We I honestly think – I mean, the best bet right now is the Ybor City plan. But I don't like the Montreal and Tampa plan because I think, in my opinion – it, it's it's just it I don't know it, it just doesn't work like it, it there's never been a team that has had the split time in two cities okay people are gonna say listen Toronto they had to do it and that might honestly be a reason why and Major League Baseball might want to do this plan because they could say listen it worked for Toronto why can't it work for the Tampa Bay Rays but I I mean I think the Rays matter I mean they have a fan base we've seen it time and time again the fans right. do show up when the team is good when the team is actually playing at a high level. 
I mean, that's really with any baseball team. When the teams are doing bad, there's nobody going to show up. That's throughout the entire Major League Baseball world. Maybe other than a few teams like the Yankees and the Red Sox, you're kind of historic teams that are able to get a good crowd every week. But, I mean, it's just for, for the majority of baseball teams, they don't get good crowds when they're not playing good. I mean, it's just how it is. I mean, even the Marlins, they have a brand-new ballpark, and they barely get anybody into that ballpark. Think right. about it. The Rays have been a lot better the last couple of years than the Miami Marlins have been. So, I mean, in my opinion, I think a new ballpark will benefit. I had just actually talked to Ozzie Timmons on Tuesday, and he had actually said, too, he was the first base coach with the Rays just this past season. And he had even said, too, they need to bring it to Ybor City. Especially, too, now, he had said, put it next to the fairgrounds, right next to that Hard Rock Casino. Right. You know, put it next to a place where, especially now with sports betting being legal, think about it. You go to Hard Rock, you put in your sports bets, you want to bet on the game, you walk right over to the stadium, you get to go watch the game, and then if you win, hey, you got to have a good night. So, I mean, you get baseball, you get some money out of it. I mean, I think, honestly, the race should stay in Tampa, and hopefully maybe you'll be in that Ybor City. I mean, the stadium renderings are beautiful. I'll just say that. It's one of the – it's a really nice ballpark. I'm really excited to see what happens. But in my opinion – I think the Rays matter. I think they're a very good team right now. And I think they're in honestly a better situation than the Oakland Athletics, who are very similar in a similar situation where they're dealing with a ballpark issue as well. They're in a very aging ballpark as well over in Oakland. So it's going to be interesting to see. But I, I think the Rays matter here in Tampa, and I would love to see them stay. And I don't want to see a sister city playing at all. No, I, I, I agree. They, sh they should stay here. There's no reason why to move them up north. I mean, yeah. keep them here. Nothing against Canada. Don't get me wrong, because then I know they tried with the Montreal Expos. Move them. It became the Nats. Nats win the winning a World Series. Great for them. Whoop de do. But I will say for the Rays, yet they should keep them here. That's what at least I believe. Same exact thing. And and Ebor City, I think. I mean, as much as Ebor City is evolving and what they're doing there. I mean, you got J.C. Newman Cigar Company who just purchased a building across yeah. the street from them that should have been almost gifted for them being the longest tenured tobacco cigar maker in Tampa, you don't know, you know, just about, I think there's maybe second in the U S but either way, they, they, they stayed in Tampa. They've been fighting for years against the government as far as, you know, keeping them around and keeping them alive. So they are investing in the area as well. So I think, yeah, Ebor city to me, it would be a no brainer. I think for all the fans that keep claiming the only reason why I don't go to Tampa or down from, from Tampa over to St. Pete, because obviously from getting over that drastic bridge, which at times 275 is not the best to travel only probably between like two and maybe six in the morning. Yeah. And I know that's the excuse every single time that they don't want, that's the reason why they don't travel. But when it comes to playoff time, they do show up in numbers. I will say that much, whether, you know, whether you're from Tampa, whether even if you're up North, you know, if you're in Citrus County, people make that ride down there, even though it's a goofy ballpark in Tropicana field. Yes. It needs a major upgrade. The only thing, that was kind of ridiculous too, was that Rick Kreisman, as much as he wants to turn that 86 acre area into like a Mecca of things, you know, the, the eating venue sports, not as much as sports, but he wants to, you know, a, a park. He wants to put more homes up there. And then he threw in there like, Oh yeah. And then if we need to an open air stadium, you could, if you really wanted to write out in a blaze of glory there, Rick Kreisman, if you're listening, I think you should just turn around and say, you know what? I don't want them to move. I want them to stay here. We need to do something, but it's not going to happen. Yeah. But it's okay. I'll, yeah, I'll take It's going to be interesting to really see how this all plays out. I mean, it really is. I mean, and, and one thing I had read too is if the sister city plan is actually going to go through, if that ends up being the case where the that ends up being the fate for the Tampa Bay Rays, 
and their stadium issues, I heard that they actually would be going to a different spring training complex. So they're actually playing down in Port Charlotte. They were they have to, they had said that there are talks right now that they might be actually playing in Pasco County to do their spring training, which would be very interesting. Actually, that would be closer to me for for me for baseball. So I would be pumped if that's the case. I would love that. I don't want the whole sister city plan, but I mean, if that's that is something that actually is getting rumored right now. So it'll be interesting to see as well how that plays out. So they're right now in two stadium issues in the spring training stadium issue, which ends in 2028 in Port Charlotte, and then also with the Tropicana Field issues that are going on, which have been going on for many years here in the last couple of years. So it's going to be interesting to see what the what's going to happen here. The Rays might be uh, homeless here soon <laughs> without having two, two ballparks, a spring and a uh, pro ballpark to play in. So it's going to be interesting to see how this all will play out. There would be in Pasco County. I I would take that definitely for sure. It'd be close to home, so it yeah. that would be great. And 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 well, I mean, I don't think I don't. Again, obviously, when they came down here, it was probably Port Charlotte was probably the area that that they could have utilized. I don't understand why the Yankees are in Tampa when it should be the Rays. You know what? Take the Yankees, move it out of Port Charlotte, bring the Rays up to Tampa, yeah. and then you know everyone can have their happy medium. But you know, <laughs> Steinbrenner's did what they did, and so you can't take it away from them. But speaking about stadiums here, uh, two two of them. One, Joey, he says the Oakland A's rumored to be heading to Las Vegas. Steve Wynn wants to build a brand new stadium for them, indoor with retractable roof. And the other one that I found interesting was the Coyote, right? The Arizona, the, the Coyotes apparently haven't paid uh, their leasing agreement and could be locked out of their own stadium, I believe is December 20th, if they don't pay their where, what's left over. That is like the first I've ever heard of that. I know about it. I, I know about the story. Obviously the Coyotes, their lease is up this year. So they end up they're they're end up going to be homeless. They're not gonna have a official arena. Now there is another arena in the Phoenix Glendale area. This is where the Phoenix Suns play. I believe the Coyotes did play there at some point during their tenure as a team in the NHL. I don't not sure actually when, but they do right. have another option when it comes to arenas. So I imagine they'll find some way to either get this deal, you know, figured out and hopefully play at the arena they're currently at, which I believe is uh, Gila River Arena or whatever the case may be. Uh, I'm not sure the actual name of the arena in Arizona that they currently are occupants of. But uh, they're either going to be there or they're going to be where currently the Phoenix Suns play. So they do have some options, whether the actual with the arena situation going on there. But I tell you what, man, the Coyotes, they're in trouble. They, they could be. I've heard some rumors. They might even try to go back up to Quebec even possibly. Yeah. So I, it's going to be really interesting to see what's going to happen to the Coyotes. They just got new uniforms this year. They're brought back the Kashina look, which. I, I will say good job on the Coyotes. That is a very, very nice uniform that they rock each week. But uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how that's going to play out with the Coyotes because they're in really, honestly, franchise turmoil right now, if, in my opinion. It will be. I joined oh, Atlanta. Oh, uh, uh. Mm, no, it, uh. it didn't work out too well. But the, now two NHL teams had failed down there in Atlanta. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I, I don't see that one down there. Uh, no. But to get back to Joey Singh here in Oakland – I will say, Joe, we went out there to Vegas where their minor league ballpark is. Uh, great area where their minor league ballpark is. And that ballpark, now I think my girlfriend, Debbie, the producer, went out there two, a year before. I think a year before me, maybe two years before me. I think it was a year before me. She had the opportunity of going to a game there and and said it's absolutely beautiful. She went with her son, uh, out there and and said it was absolutely amazing when they went at nighttime again during the day 
Boy, it gets hot there, and obviously because of the desert. But I will say, just looking at parts where we could see it from, it's a beautiful stadium. Absolutely amazing stadium for minor league ballpark. So I can only imagine what they would end up doing. And and I did hear that, Joey, many a times. And, it's, and apparently it's gaining ground because that was Las Vegas' entire idea was to have four major league teams down there. The only thing they're missing is the NBA team. So it's either A, they get through expansion, or – they start convincing someone to move out to Vegas, but I, I would love to see a stadium out there in Vegas. As far as it comes to baseball, I mean, you got a lot of fans out there, tons of fans. Obviously, the you know the Vegas Golden Knights prove that. I mean, yeah. they're all over the place. And the bars that, that surround T-Mobile Arena, I mean, there's one right across the street from it. You can basically drunk walk over there, and it's absolutely beautiful. It's right next to New York, New York, the hotel. And I mean, beautiful, beautiful place. So that, that would be interesting within itself. And then I guess they kind of – Finish up here, the NHL. So, yeah. <laughs> the Flyers. Flyers fire Alevin Young. Then they fire the assistant coach, thinking that, okay, this is going to spark the Flyers to get things done after getting the shellacking from the Tampa Bay Lightning 7-1. to They go on to lose the next night. Wasn't bad, 7-5, to and then they continue to lose. So, on a current 10-game winless streak, I don't know what's going to happen with the Flyers as the fans now are becoming relentless on social media. And some of the comments, I'm not going to exactly say what's on there, but it's funny because I don't know what happened with the Flyers. I mean, it looked like before COVID era, right? The Flyers were making strides and they were making just as good strides. I mean, that game, if it would have been played in February or March, March, I believe it was, if they would have played it here against Tampa, that, that would have been a great game because you would have seen both teams where they were made of going into the playoffs. And then, then you had the delayed and everything else. And it seemed like the Flyers had picked up right where they left off. And then they get eliminated from the playoffs. The following year, just about the same, but then they started tanking. And then this year, basically the Flyers had enough. And they said, that's it. So you get rid of, again, Levin Young. They get rid of the assistant coach. Flyers just seem to be doomed. I don't know why. I love the Flyers. Don't get me wrong. The fan base is completely different from obviously the Philly Sixers and the Eagles. I don't know what's going to happen with this team. I, I really don't. At one point, it was rumored that they want to try and sell them. I don't see it. I think Ed Snyder would be spinning in his grave if they, end, if they end up doing so. But I don't know now at this point who's going to be the right hire and who's going to fix the Flyers because I know, Dylan, maybe, maybe you do know or maybe you don't know, but the Flyers right now, they are in complete disarray. Yeah, they're 8-12-4 right now. They've lost four games in overtime. They've only won eight games so far, so they're actually under the 10-win marker right now with the Islanders and then also a few other teams, the Sabres, Canadians, and also the Senators as well. They actually posted out a thing on ESPN showing like which teams are in – if they were in tiers, which tier would they be in? So – Right now, the Flyers are in disarray. Hey, the positive thing is you guys have a great mascot in Gritty. Gritty's a great mascot, <laughs> I got to say. But regardless of that, my lightheartedness there, I mean, the the Flyer, when you fire a head coach, things just don't go well, especially how early it is in the season. You got to think about it. The season just started like a right. month ago, not even like a month and a half ago. So you, if you're firing your head coach early in the season, you know there are issues already early in the season and maybe even heading into the season. So right now where the Flyers are at, just based off of the way they have been playing, I mean, they're in a situation right now where, I mean, 
it's, I know it's still early in the season. They could still find a way to maybe recover and at least maybe get to, you know, a decent spot where maybe they're on a playoff team this year, but at least get to a spot where it's say, hey, we at least turned it around. We have some potential maybe heading in the next season. But right now, the way they've been playing, I mean, they're a team right now that I don't, they have no trajectory right now. We don't know where the Flyers are actually going to be going right now here in the 2021-2022 season. Yeah, it's a shame. And then right now, the current defending Stanley Cup champions, your back-to-back champs, uh, are looking are looking pretty good. They yeah. started out kind of rough. Uh, started to look a little bit better here for the Tampa Bay Lightning. And uh, again, you looked at the Florida Panthers, who now, obviously, you got the Florida Panthers, you got the uh, Carolina Hurricanes, who are trying to pick up where they left off last year. Panthers looked for a while, I mean, streaking, like they were going to make some some early damage here. And obviously, there's plenty of time left on the ice before you even get the playoff talk. Start looking good right now. Not too bad for the Panthers. Same way with the Carolina Hurricanes. So these are teams down there coming up that they're looking to obviously knock off your defending champs. Same way with the New York Islanders. They know they, you know all these teams are now vying for what the current Stanley Cup champions are doing. And I know there's there's people saying, well, you know, now take a look at your team now. Take a look at this and take a look at that. You know, they're they're trying to downplay because well, you lost players to the expansive draft. Obviously, you couldn't keep everybody together again for a third year. But you know what? So far, John Cooper's been doing a pretty bang-up job with what they were left over from from yeah. their two Stanley Cup champions and then who they picked up uh, during the offseason. Yeah, and you got to think about this season heading into this year. Everybody looked at it of last season as the final year. That was the year that the entire team was complete. This was the kind of the final year that everybody was together. And heading into this season, it was going to kind of be a – uh, not a full, you know, revamp, if you will, but mm-hmm. kind of a redo, if you will, kind of some new pieces getting added in a lot of guys leaving the organization. So uh, to see this team performing very well, especially with the kind of trials and tribulations they had early on in the year, not having a good preseason, not starting out very strong early on in the year. This lightning team is very, very good right now. They're playing a very good hockey. They got some games coming up. They play Ottawa uh, twice in like the span of a couple days. So those are going to be some relatively easy victories, hopefully. And then they also have the LA Kings as well next week coming into town and they're not playing too bad. They're at 500, they're 10 and 10, but uh, I think the lightning right now are playing really good hockey, but I, I just love the rivalry between Florida and Tampa Bay. I think this is great for hockey to see two Southern teams, two teams here in Florida, you know, two teams that really aren't, really shouldn't be meant for hockey and they're playing at the top of the NHL right now. I think this is great for hockey. And I think this is kind of showing that these two teams can play good hockey in a warm climate state, because I mean, realistically speaking, we're not meant for hockey. We're meant for other sports like baseball or football or whatever the case may be, not hockey. So for us to be able to thrive as well at the Panthers, I think it's great for the NHL. And I think it's uh it's good. It's good money-making wise for the NHL as well. Yeah, absolutely true. And uh, Joey, the last four comments here, says, uh, exactly, Angel Vegas wants all Major League Sports destinations as well for opposing fans, which yeah. is true. I mean, you got listen, plenty of fans that come in, obviously, or a lot of a lot of tourists that go into Vegas. So, yeah, yeah. It, it would make a lot of sense for them to do that because then you, you can schedule. If you're an avid fan that you know that you follow your team around, I mean, then you can go, you can get your getaway in Vegas and then go watch one of your sports teams out there as well. Uh, he says the win-win for selling tickets and revenue, which is absolutely true because there's a lot of transplants out there in Vegas. Um, 
It says, do we get a lot of pythons in the Tampa area? Not really. Pythons, I don't think we do. Uh, no, I know yeah. it's down in the Everglades. That's a big issue. I know that, but I don't yeah. think here in the Tampa area. And if there is, there might be a big problem. Yeah, uh, yeah, hopefully not. You'd have to go. You're you're close, Joey, but you have to go a little bit further than than Punta Gorda in in order to to be able to see them. But yeah, they're they're <laughs> they're out there though yeah. because they do have the the uh, python. What is it? The uh, the competition. Yeah, just Python passed. competition. Yeah, yeah just a couple months ago. <laughs> so yeah, it, it it gets quite amazing. Uh, last thing that I will say here before I get to the sponsors, Steph Curry coming to town to Philly Saturday night. Going to be a great matchup uh, between obviously Seth and Joel Embiid. Does Seth Curry, Seth Curry, good lord, does he actually tie and pass Ray Allen's record, or does he have to wait till he gets to Boston? I think he does it. I, I I think he got. I think he does it. I mean, I love Seth Curry. I think. I mean, obviously, it's it's not an if, it's a when he will do it because obviously he's not. I don't imagine he'll get injured and then his career just end or something right. like that in the next couple of nights. But uh, no, I I think he does it. I mean, you got to think about it. And I was listening to uh, like a t- TV show or talk show or whatever the case may be, and Steph Curry has changed the game of basketball. He has changed the way like the game is played. It's a three-point dominated game now. I mean, just because of Steph Curry. He has changed the way basketball is played. He's be- Somebody had said, and this was on the Dan Patrick show, I think it was, that he has became the most impactful player probably, I would say, in the last 20 years. I mean, he has just really changed the way basketball is played, looked at. I mean, it's just been so much fun to watch. And for him to be able to do it in half the games that Ray Allen did is just remarkable. I mean, Steph Curry already is – putting himself together a hall of fame career. And I, I think you can do it in Philly. I think he's going to bound to have a special night, especially on a, on a prime time night on ESPN. Yeah, I think he's got to have a, the record breaking night on, on prime time. Yep. That's true. Sean comes in with the last comment here. He says, do you think the Sixers pull the trigger on Ben Simmons trade or do you just let him stay at home? Like the little called baby he is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Sean, I, I wished it, you would think by now, Sean, that they actually would have made the trade. That that's at least what most fans were thinking, including a lot of people in, in the media the same exact way. They thought that, and most of your podcasts, there's so many people that have been saying, "Why hasn't this trade happened?" But for whatever odd reason, the Sixers are keeping him around. They're you know he was supposed to go see, I believe, his psychiatrist and some other people. That pretty much has been gone. There's not been much word of anything whatsoever. So I don't understand why the Sixers are 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 doing what they're doing with Ben Simmons. To me, he doesn't want to be here. He said it more enough times. You saw it last season. So I don't know what they expect from Ben Simmons. And I know when this story first came out, I, I it almost makes you cringe when the media says if Ben apologizes and say he wants to stay here, do the Sixers accept him? Well, the Sixers, man, most fans, probably not because of what you've done. You've caused more hurt for the organization than you've done helping them. So I wish at this point they would pull the trigger on it. But the problem is, knowing what Ben is doing right now, what organization says, will he do it if we get him? So let's just say the Clippers want him. But do they also think in the back of their mind, if you're the GM, you're thinking, you know, might be a good player, good solid player. But he comes with baggage. I mean, Odell Beckham Jr., he's with the Rams. Trust me, that baggage is coming. Don't let that man get that ball. The baggage is coming. So, Dylan, I'll ask you the same question, just like Sean just asked me the same thing. 
why don't the Sixers get rid of Ben Simmons? I'll be honest. I just I have no idea, to be honest. I, I think they think that they could get something out of him, maybe some draft picks out of him. But he's just not a good player. I mean, we've we we've just seen it from him. He's not a good player. He's not a guy you want to have on your team, whether it be his personality. You don't want it injected in. Now, listen, I'm a Magic fan, so I'm probably the worst to say. We've gotten rid of so many players. And honestly, listen, hey, Ben wants to come to Orlando. We'll take Ben in and, you know, we'll, we'll hopefully get him back on track. But in all reality, though, I mean – He's just not a good player. He's not. He hasn't lived up to the expectations. He's the number one pick. He should be playing at the top level, and he just hasn't shown that in his career. And also with everything that's gone on off the court, I mean, he's just became a problem child for the 76ers, and nobody's going to want that in an organization. It, it could ruin an organization completely if you have somebody like that. And I, we'll, we'll just see what happens. Honestly, if, if I'm 76ers, it doesn't even matter about the draft picks or anything. It just matters about getting that guy off your books, getting that guy off your team, and, and getting the problem out of the way. Yep, so true. So, by the way, I said to, to everyone this week that that hopefully Andy Kalu would have been with us. Uh, speaking with Andy today, he said he'll be with us during the school Christmas break. So look out for uh, Andy Kalu. I was in about two weeks. We're finalizing exactly what day so he can spend time with his family as he takes some time off a little bit from uh, get a little radio break and then be, be able to be on with us. And we wanted to make sure we have Andy's full attention rather than trying to get him in for like five or 10 quick minutes. And then he has to run off to do something else. So Andy Kalu will be with us in about another two weeks. Also, don't forget that David Murphy will be live in studio in Limerick, Pennsylvania, December 19th. So you live in the Philly market, Reading out there in South Jersey, come up to the studio so you guys can say hello and uh, happy retirement to David Murphy, our former six ABC meteorologist. So it's going to be a lot of fun to talk baseball with them. Dylan, you would absolutely love it because that man lives, breathes, eats Phillies baseball. He would have, yeah, just an amazing conversation. Uh, and Joey says, do you think New Orleans would be a natural fit for Simmons? Could be. Could be. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah, could be, but no, no it, it could. It's just I, I don't understand why the Sixers haven't pulled that trigger either. I, I don't know. Yeah. They they could have they could have pulled that trigger uh, two months ago if they really wanted it. <laughs> So I, I don't I don't understand why they're just holding on to it. So trying to get to to hopefully that answered it, but I, I just don't know. I don't know why the Sixers are doing it. And there's been no other talk. But if if I do find out something from an insider, I'll bring up the, the topic again on the 100th episode, which again will be this uh, upcoming Wednesday. By the way, everyone, please visit broadstreetsouth.com. The show at one point, as we're now ramping up our website here, will move from Facebook over to BroadStreetSouth.com, and you'll still be able to make your comments and everything else on BroadStreetSouth.com, so you'll be able to view it through Twitter, YouTube, and over on our website because Facebook, as we love to say, is reliable. There's times where they just automatically stop the show, and, and they do sometimes things that we have no control over, so maybe now that they change over to Meta, maybe they do things a little bit differently here, but uh, we'll be exclusively on our website, probably coming up in the new year, as we try to ramp that up and then add more interaction over to the website. So Matt Kelly, who does an amazing job for me, my IT guy on the website. Thank you so much, Matt, for all you do. Uh, and never goes unnoticed. And I appreciate everything you do uh, for the show. He's been great for me since day one, helping me out with building the website and everything else. And, and, and it's amazing what he, what he does. So I appreciate it. Sean. Uh, thank you so much. We appreciate it. And happy holidays to you, sir. Joey to uh, Rick Marcus. 
everyone tune in tonight. We do appreciate it. Dylan, which I've never mentioned this, and shame on me for not doing it. Where can everyone find your podcast and, of course, the name of your podcast? So everybody can find my podcast on Spotify and iHeartRadio. My podcast is called the Flow Show Podcast. Uh, well, it's not the Flow Show Podcast, but just the Flow Show. Uh, but it is a baseball podcast that covers all things baseball here in the state of Florida, from the collegiate to the pro level. So definitely go check it out. And we always love having different guests on, and uh, we'll definitely love the support from everybody here on the Broad Street South podcast. Yes, sir. So don't forget, please. Because Dylan does an amazing job with us. I was lucky enough to, to meet this young man and, and be able to come with us as well. So it's always great to network with folks, especially when you can keep growing. Again, as we learned recently, the man is already up to his 200th episode as he started at the ripe old age of five, believe it or not. It's amazing what he's done. <laughs> <laughs> but now, Dylan, thanks for coming on. And uh, of course, now I will mention Mike Goen, obviously, who owns Tampa Joe's, also celebrating the one-year anniversary out there in Plant City, Bubba Coos Burritos, and they are in Tarawa, uh, New Jersey. So if you live in northern Jersey, you can take uh, a good fine look at his Metian restaurant. But as you guys can see, that burrito there looks absolutely tasty and delicious. So uh, happy anniversary to Mike Goodwin and his group, Bubba Coos uh, Burritos, out there at Metian restaurant in Plant City. Also, never to also forget, Tampa Joe's at 9316 Anderson Road in Tampa, Florida, right off of Veterans Highway, about 10 minutes away from the airport, it means a hop, skip, and jump over there. So you're flying in. You want to know where you can go to watch an Eagles game or any of the games in the NFL. Go to Tampa Joe's. Serious wow. food, fun place. It's an amazing time. And Philly to South is down there where Mike Klein, the Eagles fan base, is down there. You guys will have a great time down there at Tampa Joe's. Also, don't forget about Goose's Mighty Crystal Lounge and Tobacconist. You guys can visit him at 250 West Ridge Pike in Royersford. I keep saying Limerick, but it's almost about the same town. Royersford, Pennsylvania, 19468. And you can go to CigarGoose.com for the favorite money Cristos, cigars, 28 black, and everything in between. Visit CigarGoose.com. And also, let's not forget about LG Direct Sales Solutions. Thank you to Larry Gilman for believing us here. If you guys can visit LGDirect.net, we'd appreciate it for your secure payment solutions. Also, for apparel, if you guys need custom hoodies. Visit lgdirect.net. You can also call them at 855-777-3863, 855-777-3863. Once again, we will be on Wednesday. There will not be a show this upcoming Sunday. We'll be back on Wednesday for our 100th episode. And just about as many people as we've gotten for the first 100, we hope to bring back here on that Tuesday night show. So some of them might be pre-recorded clips, but we'll be live next Wednesday. And uh, Dylan, by all means, if you're available, please show up. I will be there for sure. I can't wait. Episode 100, I'm so happy for you guys and all your guys' success, and I can't wait to be back on here on uh, Wednesday for episode 100. It's going to be a fun show. Yeah, it is. I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm getting really antsy just kind of thinking about it, but I'm looking <laughs> forward to it as well. And uh, it, It's unbelievable that we've even gotten that far yeah. in that short amount of time. Joey B says, uh, number one Purdue upset, Rutgers wins, men's hoops. Wow, what a finish. Wow, that is true. Oh, good for Purdue. Unbelievable. As the bowl series is about to come around too. So uh lots of stuff coming up here in the month of December and January. So anyways, everyone, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for everyone who watches overseas, which ooh, I'm just remember Kenya out there in South Africa just started tuning in. So thank you to the folks out there in Kenya and South Africa, to everyone out in Brazil, Uruguay, uh, again, Ireland, China, 
Russia, don't know how it happens, but it happens. And to everyone here on the state side, especially for Joey B holding it down for us out there in Colorado. So for Dylan, for Debbie, my producer over on Studio B, I'm Angel. Thank you guys for watching the show tonight. We will see you all on Wednesday night.